Hello and welcome to Romance at a Glance. This is your host, Shani. You were just listening to me today because our fair Bridget um, had to take care of some some things and then she's off on an adventure. So I will be your host today. We will miss you, Bridget. Today we're talking to Karina Halley. And I'm so, so, so excited to introduce you to her if you don't already know her. If you already know her, you will know that she is amazingly bubbly and fantastic to talk to and totally went on tangents with me. And because I'm the one (laughs) running the interview, we went long um, because normally Bridget keeps me on track. Um, But you're not here today, Bridget, so I did my own thing. We talked about everything from social media to her books to reverse harem to, I mean, we got into a lot of different things. Tangent, we talked about love, we talked about relationships, what makes relationships work. It was delightful. I enjoy her immensely. I really, 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 really hope to meet her in real life. Uh, And so without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to Karina Halley. Romance at a glance. Uh Romance. At a glance. What you saying? Oh, man. At a glance. Go ahead, girl. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Karina. We're going to get started. We want to talk all about you. Awesome. First off, I want us to say, um, you're living my life. Um, <laughs> I was reading your bio and it said, well, one, you live in LA. I live in LA. So we might be neighbors. But two, it said you live part of the year yes. in British Columbia yeah. on an island. That's that's my oh, dream. <laughs> that's my dream. Wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and and then you have a dog. You have a pit bull. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's it. I didn't notice any nope. kids, and I didn't want those nope. in my picture either. <laughs> no kids, just pit bull. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, yes, I know. It, it can be rare when you find someone without kids. I'm just like, oh, you don't have kids? Cool. We're so rare. I mean, I feel like it's getting more common, but yeah, it's still. You kind of gravitate those people like, oh, I, you know, like you, you understand because, you know, it's a different kind of lifestyle in a way. Like, yeah, yeah, lifestyle. definitely. Um, but yeah, we I was born and raised in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, and I live on Salt Spring Island, which is an island that's in between Vancouver Island and the mainland. Uh, for half the year, and we just last year bought a condo in Culver City, in downtown Culver City. So yeah, oh, nice. like literally across the street. Like so, technically it's Palms, but um, it's across yeah. the street from on Venice, just across from the Rip Bodice. So like, it's it's just so perfect. Like we love it there so much. Um, so we spend our winters there, um, and we did this year, and then going forward. So yeah, I love best of both worlds. You know, because you've got here. There's like. There's, it's great for peace and, and fresh air and beauty and nature and all that and being a hermit, which I'm very good at. But eventually you have to go and be social and do fun things that don't involve like going for a hike or something, right? So that's when LA comes in and then I'm like, I mean, I love Los Angeles. Like I, people just, I get such a bad rap and people just don't seem to understand that it's like a million yeah. little towns or big towns, but it's not like when people are like, oh, L.A., I'm like, well, I don't know what part of L.A. you were from, but maybe that part sucked because there are parts that suck, but there's some places that are awesome. And like you really kind of got to <laughs> find your groove, like right, where you belong. Right. So I definitely think yeah. like we kind of found our little Mayberry where we are in Culver. Like it's just we walk everywhere. We rarely drive. Everyone's just so friendly, which is just bizarre. And like it's just it's beautiful. Like I love it so much. So. I'm definitely like, I've, you know, 
I'm the newbie to LA, so I've got, you know, the stars in my eyes kind of thing right at the moment. I Listen, yeah. keep the stars in your eyes because I, so I just moved from Santa Monica, so I was your neighbor yeah. fairly recently, and now I live oh. downtown. Um, yeah. So on the other side, um, but if you ever want to come oh, yeah. this way, you're more than welcome to. Um, I live in an artist community, so everybody here is some sort of crazy artists of some sort nice we were actually looking at to buy a place in downtown but it just didn't i guess there's too many bids on that one unit i'm surprised we got a place at all to be honest but especially i would take a dog but um there was and we were so we were willing to do that we put on a we're going to put on an offer but it just didn't work out so uh but yeah i like downtown it's yeah, kind of like this it's, nice it's really cool area. i i like it here because it's um especially the community i live in uh, yeah, I realize everybody in this building has like ADHD. It's like a thing. <laughs> like we're all we all um, we all relate. We all can super relate. We all yeah. have the same sort of kind of anxieties and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I do music and um, visual arts, and so oh, cool. like my neighbor though, like I moved in during the pandemic, so I didn't know, I didn't meet anybody until like yeah. two months ago or so. And I'm like, my yeah. neighbor makes the most fantasy, amazing paintings I've ever seen in my life. Okay? Oh, really? They look like they're coming off the canvas. And I'm like, how are you my neighbor? Like, yeah. How How is yeah. this existing? And I'm like, I'm such a fan. Yeah. <laughs> I would be the same. Yeah. I would be the same. <laughs> but, That's the cool thing about it is you, you just never, there's just, everyone there is like living the dream, going for it, being ambitious and like doing their thing. And I think, and no one's there telling them they can't do it. I mean, no. I'm sure before they moved to L.A., they had people tell them they couldn't do it. But once they're in L.A., everyone's just encouraging, I find, anyway. I, I mean, I find that you're correct in the uh, Los Angeles is a lot of small towns. Like, yeah. pe- people don't think of it that way. Um, but I, I was born in the Valley of Los Angeles. Okay. And uh, my parents moved us to Miami at some point. And when I came back, I realized that all the people I had grown up with were still in the Valley and weren't leaving the Valley and were having their kids in the Valley. And I was like, Oh, that's a small town. Like that's yes, exactly, you know, it's the same mentality just because it's LA, you know, yeah. or whatever. It's still all these little small so towns. It could be like small town America somewhere in the Midwest or something. The yep. people that don't leave. And it's Ab- kind of, like, absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah. I realized then I was like, Oh, this is like a different dynamic than I thought. And, and also yeah. I realized that people who move here, there's a lot of people who move here and they go like everybody in LA is fake and I don't want to be here. And I, whatever. Um, but I don't find that to be true. I found some of the most genuine, amazing people here, but yeah. I purposely don't spend any more time. As soon as I recognize somebody's not for me, I don't spend any more time there. I, yeah. I keep moving on. And then, and because I did that, I found my tribe very quickly. Exactly. Um, and we're weirdos and we have fun. <laughs> like, exactly. You find it. I find that too. It's just like, I have more friends in LA than I do here. So like that says a lot. And, um, I think it's also like people like always say that to me, like, oh, everyone in L.A. is so fake. I'm like, well, yeah, there's fake people and they tend to be in certain areas and you, you can spot them pretty fast. But like for me, like the fakeness that comes with like that, everyone is kind of being nice to you, especially where I live. Um, a, it seems genuine. So maybe they're all great actors would be because like they don't know who you are. They, you might be able to help them. They might be able to help you. Like it's one of those things. And, and people see that as a negative thing. Like, oh, well, they're just like being nice to you for this. And it's like, you know what? He serves me coffee. Like, I'm, he's, I don't care if he's being fake. He's being nice. Like, <laughs> it makes my day more pleasant to see people smiling at me than people all miserable, which is what a lot of the time you get here. So like, I find like in LA, like, yeah, there's fake people, but 
most of the time, you know, like I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not gonna be friends with them. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I'm not gonna be good friends with fake people. I, but to make my everyday interactions pleasant, like sure. Yes. <laughs> I, I, and also like, it's not a bad social currency is not a bad thing. And I, and I think people make it sound that way. Like networking, when I moved to LA, I said, I'm not networking. I'm just going to go make homies. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go out, have a good time with people, whatever. And if something comes out of it, it does. If not, it it doesn't. Um, and I don't have a hierarchy in my head for who is deserving of um, consideration or who's not right. Like exactly. the, it doesn't really register to my like brain. Just open to everybody. Yeah. And when you're like yeah. that, like so many doors have opened for me. Cause I'm just like, Hey guys, what'd you do? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And people are quick. I find like in here and other places, maybe it's just a Pacific Northwest thing, but like, if you're like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm an author. And people are like, Oh, okay. You know, like sh- sure. Either sure you are, or just like, Oh, you think you're better than me. I don't know what it is, but then LA, you go, I'm an author. I'm like, cool. Really? What'd you write? Like, they're like totally interested. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it costs nothing to be supportive. I tell people this all the time. Exactly. It costs nothing. You don't have to give me money. You don't have to sponsor me. You don't have to do whatever. Yeah. All you have to do is say like, that's cool, man. Great. Yeah. And then I will always have a good feeling about you because you were like cool about the thing I was doing. Exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, so I find that very, very interesting. And it's cool that you live yeah. near the Rip Bodice too, because I was just there um, like two days ago to see Tessa Dare and Erica Riley. They did a book, okay, yeah, a yeah, book yeah. signing um, and the cover model showed up and I got them to do a skit with me on TikTok. It was very, it was very oh, fun. That's awesome. <laughs> I have um, a, a signing there on, well, yeah, it's kind of signing. It's on Sunday, actually. So I'm flying on Saturday. Um, and so Foz Meadows, they are an author and they did this amazing epic queer fantasy. And so they're doing like a in conversation. So it's my first time doing something like this, which I've never done. Yeah. And normally I would get like kind of stage fright or something, but I'm like, I'm not because it's not about me. Like I'm the one asking the questions. The attention's on Foz, not me, right? Yeah. So like I'm really excited about about that. It's gonna be cool. And like I'm really I'm just like grateful they ask because I, I often when I'm there I often go in there and they're like hey do you because I like basically live next door so yeah. it's, I walk past it every single day. Like it's, it's a beautiful bookstore. I love it. It's, yeah, it's like really well set up and really yeah. pretty. I just met uh, Leah for the first time, yeah. um, which is egregious because when we started this podcast, it was the end of 2019. And Bridget, okay. Bridget and I were like, we're going to do signings. We're going to be out there. We're going to be in the streets. We're going to have a, we're going to make our own <laughs> conference. We had, like, we had all these great right. ideas just, great in, just in time for 2020. So yeah. yeah. And COVID's like, mm, no, you're going to sit your ass down. Little That's little what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Sit back down. <laughs> so, so I'm just now meeting Leah and I was just, I told her, I was like, look, I've been trying to meet you for so long. Like yeah. we need to, we need to be, and she's uh, going to come on the podcast and talk about oh, ro- romance. So cool. I'm so excited. Yeah. Like what a, like, I feel like a big dork, right? Because like yeah. I get to talk to people like you like every day about <laughs> books. <laughs> I know it sounds pretty sweet. It's, it's a really sweet gig. Yeah. Um, little show, little Shawnee would be super, super happy. Um, yeah, exactly. So, but I okay, okay. Let me let's let's talk about your book. Let's talk about you, okay? Because okay. Bridget's always like, Charlie, you, you go off on too many tangents. <laughs> I'm fine with the tangents. I'm always like, that's the same too. Like we're like, oh, you're supposed to talk about your books. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I can talk about some random shit Listen, for hours though. <laughs> Bridget's not here. She's gonna talk. She'll talk shit about me later. She'll be like, that was a three-hour interview, show <laughs> My man. Um, you know. But okay, so 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 uh, I saw that you write horror and suspense 
and contemporary romance. So yeah. are there crossovers to this? I don't, I'm not familiar with your whole catalog, but are um, they, are they all separate? Yeah, kind of. So I started off writing in, in 2011, I self-published a horror romance series and that went for, that ended in 2014 and it was about nine books, but I, for some reason, because I was like, 2020, I res- resurrected it in 2020 and I did a book 10. I'm glad I did because I actually had a, a lot of fun doing it. Um, so that is one different series. And my horror books are all kind of related to that, yeah. like the self-published ones. Like uh, um, they all kind of connect in some way to that. And then my contemporaries, most of them, they don't at all connect to the horror. I don't think there might be some like, you know, little Easter eggs here and there, but like, but contemporaries, they all tend to be just a whole bunch of different tropes. Like any kind of trope that you want, I could, I've probably written it. Um, so that's just a trope fest there. And then my suspense, I love my suspense too. Those generally don't, they're also usually connected to each other as well. So I have two series, or actually two series and a duet and all kind of revolve around the same characters or the same family because it's all about like Mexican cartel and stuff like that. So like that, that's the suspense side. So Ooh, I, I do cartel. have a lot of different books, but they don't, they don't all connect. So you don't have to necessarily read all of them to understand that kind of thing. Oh, okay. That's cool. But, yeah. Okay. Wait, is there any book that you've ever written that you would take back that you're like, that one I might've released too soon. I could oh, do yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, okay, so the way I do it with, with um, ADHD, which I didn't realize I had until one of my books, my characters had an ADHD, and I was researching it, and I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, this is me. And then I was got a proper diagnosis and everything eventually, but I was just like, fuck. <laughs> like, but then I realized, like, okay, that's why I write always under pressure, under a deadline, yada, yada. Yeah. And so... Um, so that's the way I kind of work and I'll, but it, it doesn't mean like I can, I usually write a book within two weeks or in the past I do two weeks. Wow. It's just, you know, the, the perks of not having kids is that like, I, <laughs> I wake up at, at 7am and I'll go to bed at 10 and I'll just write the whole day. It doesn't mean yeah. I'm constantly writing the whole day, but most of it is, or, but I have to get to a certain point to be able to do that. It usually means I've been thinking about the book for a long time. And if, it, if I'm not passionate about the book, enough to let that adrenaline kind of fuel me then it start then I start to struggle and there's some books where I'm so bad at this where I'm like I promise to do a book and I'll, I'll, I'll put up for pre-order or it's with a publisher or something and you know because generally when I get a publishing deal they're like okay what are you going to do for your next book you have to know now so I'll be like oh I want to do this but I don't have to write it for like another six months or a year and then by the time that six months rolls around, I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? Like we lose yep. interest fast, right? So like there's a few books that I'm just like, shit, and I have to, or if it's my own fault where I'm just like, oh, I'll, this is a good idea, but I can't write it right now. So I know I'll release it like next year. I'll put up a pre-order and then next year comes around. I'm like, I don't want to write this. And then it's like, I have to. <laughs> now I've stopped doing that this year because I finally learned. I was like, first of all, I can't generate the way I used to. So I've kind of been taking a long time to get things done. But um but I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore because it's true. There's books that I would take back because I was pressured to finish them. And knowing now I could have been put up my hand and be like, you know what? I need, I'm, I'm depressed or whatever the issue is. I need more time with it. I could have asked for it and I didn't because I was just, oh, I'll just get it done. Yeah. But generally when I'm like, oh, I'll just get it done. People can tell. 
so they're not necessarily like books that like I'm ashamed of or I think are like bad books, but they're just not books that A, I had a good time writing or B, that I think are, you know, in, shows my quality of work kind of thing. Yeah. And funny enough, a lot of the times a lot of readers can tell. So one of the books would have been Discretion was the first book I did with Montlake. And I made no <laughs> secret about that in my, in my acknowledgements. I was just like, writing this book was awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't lie, right? So I'm just like, writing this book was awful. It was a horrible experience. I hate this book, basically. And like, and some people do like it. I'm like, thank you. That's great to know that you like it because like, I know it's not all bad because I've gone and read it I've, you know, since then I've been like, oh, this is not bad. It's just not, it just doesn't have what my books usually have. Yeah. So I'd yeah. say that one discretion. The other two that followed were much better because I was in the kind of the flow. Um, there was another book I did last year called Bright Midnight. And that was a book that again was supposed to be with the publisher and they, they canceled the contract on me. And this was like 2014 or 15. And I just thought, oh, one day I'll self-publish it because yeah. like, people were asking for it and that was actually another example the reason they canceled the contract is because i couldn't produce the book because i was like but i don't care about this idea anymore <laughs> like i can't do it so i gave them like what about this idea what about this idea but they didn't take it but anyway so i republished i finally finished that book what i'd written because i think i wrote about half and i published it last year during like a huge bout of depression again do not write when you're under depression because I, you know, I get depressed quite, not easily, but when I do get depressed, it's, it's yeah. a thing. So like, and it's not the blues, it's like depression. So like both of them are books that I didn't want to write that I had to write for, cause I either promised it or I was under contract and I did. And when it came out, I was like, eh. and then readers are a bit like, eh. you know, like some liked it, some didn't. Most would say it's okay. It's okay. But I don't, that's not good enough for me. Like it yeah. has to be, great <laughs> you know like and if i piss off some people and they hate it fine but like i need the extreme reactions but if it's just like eh, then it's kind of like oh i i shouldn't have done those so yeah there's yeah. some books that generally and they're usually because i lost interest in doing it and i think the readers can tell that i struggled because i was just like it's tough writing a book like sometimes <laughs> i think about it and i'm just like this is hard work and like i don't think people i mean i guess people do get that it's hard work to write a book but it just does not get easier you'd think that after 70 books it'd be super easy for me and it's like getting harder <laughs> like is it because i'm getting old what's happening but yeah yeah so yeah i'm learning though now to like and it's it's tough because now i'm holding to my own deadlines internally and they're not external because generally you know with adhd you want you need external deadlines to motivate you yeah. to finish something like the urgency or the novelty or whatever it is and this time i'm like no because if i it's not going to work so like this time I've actually learned to like not plan anything ahead of time. So yeah. that's my kind of thing. Like I talk about things I want to write, but I never say when I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like, um, I understand that kind of concept because one, I've, I decided to stop saying what I'm working on. If like, yes. if I'm not finished with it yet, because yeah. I think it triggers that thing in my brain that it's done or yes. that there is now someone is expecting that I have a thing that's done and there's an impending doom attached to it. Yes. And then I cannot, Absolutely. then I can't do it. Like I just, it's like, I Absolutely. will do everything under the sun before Gee, I do I that. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Like there's a sense of like, my husband talks about that too, because he also happens to have ADHD because he just got his diagnosis. And I was like, yeah, I knew it. It took you a while. <laughs> like, I was like, I think you have it. He's just like, no. And finally, I was like, okay, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, he, he's like, he doesn't ever want to talk about a project that he's doing. Cause the minute he, he says, Oh, I'm, I'm, cause he writes too. He's like, the minute he's like, Oh, I'm writing a book about this. Then the feedback he gets from people, which is like, Oh, that's great. Congratulations. I'm excited for this book, whatever makes him feel good enough as if the book is done. It's done. Yeah. And when he's like, well, now I don't have to write it. I could just <laughs> say that all the time, you know, and just not produce anything. And I was just like, no, I totally it's, get it. It's a, a, cause I remember reading somewhere or something where people said if like, if they said they were going to the gym, it was as good in their brains as if they had gone, you yes. know? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop. Talk, like just talking about yeah like, whatever it is and like I, and I feel you on the fact that like so for me it's uh songwriting okay where I uh so we'll we'll sit together me and I produce with uh, two other people and we'll sit yeah. together and we'll just make beats and make like instrumental tracks right yeah um and then there's tracks where like I can immediately see the story right of yeah. that of that track yeah. Um, and then I'm like, yeah, that's my track. And I never have writer's block. I never, ever like have experienced writer's block because yeah. every, I don't even pick up a track that I don't already have words for. Um, right. And if somebody tries to make me, like I had a friend who had a track and they tried to like make me come up with something for that track. And my brain was like, I don't like this track, this track. I don't see anything. Um, yeah. Then I can't, then I just, yeah. I can't write to that yeah. track totally. um, at all. So I understand that feeling of just like, like, oh, I have a book in my brain and I can, I can bang that out, but you want me to go write the other on my, no. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. You, and you can't force it. Like you can't make no. your brain, sometimes you're like, come on brain, come on. <laughs> your brain's like, no, yeah. dog, I'm not doing that. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, that's why, like, even like I do, it's funny as your musician, my, my husband also is a musician as well. He's done a few albums. And so that's one thing. He, that's awesome. But he hasn't, he hasn't played in like a year though. So I'm trying to convert, convert encourage him to go back to it just because what does he play you know, it flows. he he kind of does he does vocals guitar but he also does drums and like for his albums he played everything in the band basically and he's got a little recording studio downstairs so we also he's also done a few audiobooks of mine as well so it's kind of like a one-stop shop but uh no i think he'd probably be very relating to you on the songwriting things which blows my mind a songwriting is something where i'm just like how do you just come up with a song like I, lo- I just admire it so much because to my brain, it's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with music. So I'm just like, uh, I'll just appreciate music by listening to it. I can't actually do it. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, there's a time that like I do screenwriting on the side and at the moment I'm really struggling. They're not going to listen to this, so I don't care. <laughs> at the moment I'm really struggling because um, this company, they'd asked me to write a script um, like a three pager based on an idea. And I, I, I threw some ideas out there that were just like ones that I thought were really good. And then I threw like a, a thriller idea, just like last minute, like as a joke, cause it was based on like, someone just told me about how like everyone thinks that la- the conspiracy theory is that Avril Lavigne is dead as she has. This oh, yeah. Thing, right. Yeah, yeah. So I'd never heard that before. I was like, what? I'm like, Oh, that'd make a, a good thriller. Cause it'd be like a thriller for a lifetime. So I just threw that in there as a joke. And then they're like, no, elaborate on that one. I'm like, really? And then, and so I've done like a one page and then a three page. And now they want me to revise a three page. And I'm just like, I don't actually care. About <laughs> as, as much as I realize that like this would help me get a credit in writing and get me in where I need to go at the same time, it's really hard to write it. Cause I'm just like, but this is dumb. <laughs> like, so, I mean, not saying when I actually will write it, it will be dumb. I hope not. But like, it's just, it's one of those things where like, people are like, 
a lot of people can be writers for hire, but I don't work that way. I have to be so passionately in love with the idea to actually do it. And if yeah. I'm not, it's like pulling teeth, but yeah. it's not fun. I see. I feel the same way that you say about like songwriting, about like yeah. screenwriting, because I did screenwriting. I had a lot of friends. We were all in production directing yeah. and, and mostly now I direct music videos. Um, nice. But like I'm, I've been trying to, I have this idea for a uh, like a horror thriller nice. um, that I kind of lived in real in real life, and I realized okay. that it is probably one of the last contemporary uh, like kind of thrillers you could have today, where like technology won't get in the way, um, right. and it's like a clever idea. And I'm just I've been like desperately wanting to just sit down for yeah. like for just like two days and just bang it out. Yeah, and exactly. I, and I can't. I just, I, I can't. <laughs> Every time I sit down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to commit five minutes. You know that thing where you commit five minutes and then you yeah. magically have it done at the end? No. Yeah. I got just like, I got a, like a title in like three sentences. And yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. I always do that. I'm just like, name. Then I'm like, bye, Karina. Yeah. And like, it's going to come. And I'll, then I'll center it. <laughs> and then I'm like, what's for lunch? And then that's it. Sometimes I'm like, let's make a mood board. <laughs> I do that all the time. I just, I'm like, I'll just bring out my Pinterest and I'm just going to go through pictures. Like two hours later, I have all these mood boards for different things. Yeah. I'm just like, well, that was fun. <laughs> like, does that count somehow? I mean, it kind of does, right? Like I did some work, right? I guess it only counts if you actually write the thing though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, 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 uh, uh, I'm going to make a fake deadline for myself because maybe that, that will work. My thing about the deadlines is shame. So like if there's an external deadline, yeah. it's not about the pressure of the deadline. It's the pressure of letting down the person yes. on the other end of the deadline. Yeah. So my own internal deadlines don't really do anything for me because yeah. I'm like, Ooh, I'm ashamed, shaming myself. No, I've learned to accept myself over the years. God damn it. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I can't shame myself or like people are like, why don't, you know, like neurotypicals are like, just reward yourself. I'm like, no, I will do that anyway. Like reward yourself with like a new, you know, dress or like go get a, you know, do this or a glass of wine. I'm like, no, I I already bought the dress. I'm having wine right now. Like I cannot reward myself. I will take the reward no matter what. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't work. It doesn't work. (laughs) I have a question for you because this is like a heavily debated uh, question. Um, when you write a romance, yeah. does it have to have a happily ever after for you? Oh, yeah. I will get crucified if, if I didn't. I did that once and this back <laughs> before I knew any better. So this was like 2013 or 2012. I wrote under a pen name. It's not like a secret, but um, I wrote a Viking erotica, historical, obviously. Oh. And uh, it was like a novella, I guess. It was like... Fifty to 60,000 words and it was third person which I don't normally write but I just felt compelled to do that and it's really sexy and stuff and I called it um, and it was called savagery and I said it was an erotic romance well oh my god so the guy dies at the end I mean I thought this was quite uh, you know realistic for the time and I thought yeah. to me people were like and I was like well it does have a happily ever after because she is better off at the end than she was at the beginning oh no 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 I got slaughtered in reviews for that like you can't call this a romance I'm like fine then it's just erotica I guess but like I thought it was romantic so anyways I learned a long time ago no 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 if you don't have a happily ever after people will show up in one star <laughs> 
so yeah no no, no. That, that that i do i do agree with i mean for me who doesn't always just write read romance i don't read it that often um yeah you know what i guess i would be bothered if it didn't have a happy lay ever after um but i don't think i'd want to start long <laughs> but yeah it's it's a very very you know hot issue right now it's polarizing yeah. it's it's yeah i didn't know i personally didn't know i've been reading romance since i was 13 i didn't know that romances had to have a happy ending i know most of them did but i encountered some that didn't yeah. and i i don't mind if my if my romance doesn't have a happily ever after as long as it has a, a like a really awesome romance like during the main yeah. part of the story yeah um so if the character dies at the end as long as it makes sense as long as some crazy yeah. bullshit doesn't happen at the end that you're like what yeah um I, I didn't care, but like I was on TikTok like a, like oh, a month yeah. or two ago and, and people were debating that. And I asked Bridget and I was like, and she was like, Shani, it has to have yes. like a happily ever after. Yeah. And I was like, but how are you going to have a whole genre that has to end one way? Like, I don't know. I guess like, it's like saying like all thrillers, everybody must die at the end. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard both ways argued. I think it just comes down to, to readers preference i mean i i get now that when people are okay with a romance or wanting a romance without a happily ever after like women's fiction will give them that because you really don't know with women's fiction if they're going to end up together or not because there's usually a romance in there usually the romances in women's fiction i really enjoy because i yeah it's a little bit more you know you don't know which way it's going to go so it's a little bit more for me like it's not the guaranteed hea so it's like maybe they will or maybe they won't end up together but again if they don't there is a chance it might be like damn it but i'm not going to be like mad at the genre because you can do whatever you want in women's fiction which is romance you yeah. technically well not technically but you know what i mean you should give an hga otherwise you will pay the, 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 you the, pay the ultimate yeah, price. exactly so like and i mean i get it because readers for the most part are going into it that's the one thing they expect and they don't really care how you get there but then you get into these weird and like and i respect that so like that's why i will always have an hea in my romances however you then you get into these kind of subcategories of qualifiers and that i don't agree with so yes i agree that romance should have an hea in order to be considered a romance that's it that's the only thing i think that should qualify it because when people are like oh if there's cheating it doesn't count i'm like but there's lots of real life stories where like, you know, that happens. It doesn't necessarily mean they're cheating on each other, but there might be cheating present. And, or there might yeah. be some, you know, like there's a lot of these people making mix you like that that doesn't count as romance. There's a lot of people pushing those things, those narratives. And I don't agree with that. I think, all right, let's all agree that it must have an HGA, but that's it. Like that's it. Any, anything else is fair game. I, yeah. Yeah. People feel very strongly about cheating. Oh my books. goodness. I know. I, and I've written cheating <laughs> books because like I, really like them like if it's for me it's a different thing too like my personal preference for cheating would be like uh you know the forbidden aspect so it's not the hero and heroine cheating on each other because that's actually i wouldn't want to read that personally but if they're like having to cheat on someone else to be with each other and and they're not stringing some poor sap for the whole book like yeah. Like, yeah, go for it. It's forbidden. That's fun. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's part of like, I feel like the taboo of romance too. Like yeah. there's so, it's funny to me what people are willing to accept in, in general. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, the best example of this I can use is like, um, so in real life, I, I met this woman while I was driving Uber. Like this was years ago. Yeah. 
And she was really cool. She was a woman from New York or whatever. We ended up hitting it off. We became friends and she invited me out to this event. And when I went to this event, it was like all these women from New York. It was like sex, very sex in the city type, right? And I remember being there and being like, Shawnee, you do not belong here. Like, these are not your people. Like my my whole body, my intuition was like, Shawnee, these are are not your people. Like you need to exit this situation. And I didn't, I remember in my head going, no, like everybody's your people, Shani, you like, you can do this. Right. And so they all invited us to like, go out to this, like uh, restaurant afterwards. And so I was like, um, so I went and I really didn't have anything in common with anybody to talk about. So I was just like anecdotally making like things I thought were funny. And one of the things I thought was funny is that like my, my partner at the time, um, when we had gone on our first date, he hadn't paid on our first date. Um, and so after the date, um, he called me for another date. And I was like, nah, Doug, if you ain't paid for, for the dates, if you ain't doing the whole chivalry thing, yeah. like we're not going to, we can't go out anymore. And he was like, oh, that's fine. I'll do the whole chivalry thing. Cool. Like done. Right. Yeah. So I think this is a funny story. I just, you know, um, but I literally got met with like, why would he need to pay for the date? Like if he pays for the date, then you have to have sex with him. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, my daddy never told me that. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> so, and I, re- but I remember having this moment in my head, which was like, like it was, and then proceeded, it was probably like a 45 minute, like shaming of not paying for dates and all this other stuff. And women from the other side of the table came down. It was like a thing. And I was like, guys, I don't, you know, and I left there like as with the quickness. Cause I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's, these are not my people. No, right? yeah, I'm out. So, so then, but I just remember thinking to myself, like people can consensually agree to get chained up, whipped, punch in the face, they know it, as long as they're consenting. But I can't consent with a person to be like, yo, you got to pay for dates and be like, okay, cool. And that'd be like, fine. Yeah, <laughs> it makes no sense. But it just goes to show what people are like, okay with and yes. not okay with. It's, it's, it, it, it boggles my brain every single day like some things that we we accept in one hand and then things that are for me at least complimentary in the other hand yeah. they're like no 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 could never could never do that oh yeah no, and i see that, that i see that a lot and you know it's just like oh especially especially the double standard uh, with the heroine versus the hero like and i've written some heroines who are not bad people but just like uh, real people so like a con artist yeah. my favorite heroine is ellie watt and she is a con artist and she does some pretty you know things that like you know she turns on people she shouldn't and she sells people out kind of and you know there's a character arc obviously for the series so like she changes in her ways but she's not perfect and that's kind of why i loved her because she's a badass and you know she didn't like but anyways and then there's her ex-boyfriend who everyone absolutely loved uh, javier because he just like he murders people willy-nilly put, puts their heads in freezers and like all these things and people are like oh he can do no wrong i'm like how come he can do no wrong but she yeah. can like the the fact that she's like oh connor is bad and then she he drug lord from the cartel in mexico good i'm just like <laughs> but it's a double standard i see it all the time or even like the maybe the guy cheats a little bit um you know on his wife or with the girl whatever that and then people kind of forgive that more than if it was the woman doing that to her husband you know what i mean like there are yeah. these double standards all over the place and that's where i'm like how can you make exceptions for this but you don't make exceptions for that when the I, thing basically listen i i hope you keep writing shady ass characters yeah. because 
I really, really enjoy it. I talk to Bridges about this all the time because I always felt a little bit bamboozled um, when I originally will pick up a book and the heroine is like this like badass. Maybe she's kind of shady. Maybe she's got, you know, she, she's a robber. She's this or that. And by the end of the book, she's like a domesticated, like, what, yeah. like, yeah. And I go, but what happened yeah. in the middle? Where, where did she go? And yeah, and I like, if she's stabbing people in the eyes and on um, page one, I want her stabbing people in the, in the eyes and pay, on the last page, you know? Um, and I love when authors commit to the savagery of a character. Yeah. Um, I don't want, I don't want your love to make you better or yeah. like a good person. You can be good for them. Yeah, like, exactly. maybe, like, you can be good for them. Yeah, but then otherwise, like I want the savagery, um, and I, maybe I'm a minority. I don't know, You're but not, like, because like even in that series, it's sins and needles, um, where there are some diehard Javier fans that you know, even though he was in a way very much the wrong choice, um, <laughs> it's like it's not. It wasn't supposed to be a love triangle, but people made it into one. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, like there are people who are just like, no, I wanted her to actually come out of this worse than than she did. I wanted her like yep. be even more. And I was like, that's cool. But like, it all depends on on what it is. But I find in general, just like you know, heroines are just given. They're just scrutinized in a different way. And like, for example, oh, yeah. like every time I sit down to write a book, I always because I'm a messy person, like in life chaos whatever like personality all the things and like Welcome. i want someone i can relate to so that's why i write yeah. what i write and the, my characters are not generally like these sweet perfect people but i have written characters that are sweet perfect people because sometimes i do get tired of my characters being shit on all the time by readers and i'm like fine i'm gonna write someone that's just like perfect and then like then those heroines are like oh okay i like this heroine i'm like why i mean you know like it it it's it, you can I can actually watch like I've done had time over the years I've done kind of like tests where I can watch the rating go up or down depending on what kind of female character I write and like I just know like if, if I put a really like lot not controversial kind of like not bland because there's still me but like you know a bit more easygoing and, and not so abrasive or just sweet or whatever yeah. My review ratings go up for a book, but if the next book, you know, I had a girl that was not as and does some more messy things or makes the wrong choices, the ratings go down. So, like, it does get sometimes um, tempting to start writing to try and get those pleasing the more people. But in the end, like, I'm still just such a messy, flawed person that I can't keep that up for long because I. It does. It has to be interesting to me, right? So, like, yeah. perfect to me isn't interesting. You know, I um, I concur. I, I I I say please, 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 because I mean, for for me in my own life, I've had to in the last two years kind of just like really, really accept who I am. Yeah. Uh, I always thought I did, but I realized I did yeah. it. There were many things that I judged myself on. Right. right? I am also a messy person. My house will always be messy. Yes. It will never. Be like one of those like very tan yeah. houses with the tan, everything is tan and there's macrame yeah and the baskets are yes. everywhere and yes. i aspire for that but it does not happen 
Yeah. Like if somebody came in and organized my house like that, yeah. that's the only way that would happen. It's not going to happen. I'm like, I love the aesthetic. Like, I don't like the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. But I like the aesthetic of things being really neat. Cause actually when you have ADHD, you need things to be yeah. like that, but you, but having the capability of producing it is, is inaccessible. Yeah. To me. So I had to tell myself, no, like, Johnny, you you're messy. That's yeah. part of who you are. Exactly. That's who you are. You know, like my art is like weird. I, the, the art I make is weird. The 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 music I make is so different. And I was honestly super like discouraged because every time I would submit my music to um, playlists, yeah, um, they would be like, um, "Can you you know we want music that's different." And my music is definitely different. Um, and so I would submit it, and they'd be like, "This is too different." Like this is <laughs> different. Um, and the funny thing is, it's not. It's it's just it's like different adjacent. It's actually not that. It's not that weird of music. Yeah. It's not like super experimental. Yeah. It does probably fall under experimental ish, like experimental pop. But like, um, it's not that crazy. Yeah. You know. Um, well, it's and not so, all in this cookie cutter kind of formula that they're looking for. No. But like, I just had uh, this this. Um, these people do an article about me. The, the, the journalist like went through all of my music, everything or whatever. Um, and he was like, so awesome. Like he in detail, like talked about every song and whatever. Um, and he literally gave me like the best of the best compliments that you could. Yeah. Like that I felt like I could be given. Cause yeah. he was like, he's like, every song is a different genre. He's like, I don't know how you manage this. I don't know how, whatever, but like, every song is different. I have no idea what to expect with you. And it's like crazy and phenomenal. And I listen to your sound baths and I don't like sound baths. And I was just like, this is really like, I needed this boost. Exactly. <laughs> to know that like you're on the right, the right track with doing it. I get the same thing in the sense that I, I, I get bored if I stick to one genre, hence why I write all over the place. And so like, you know, I, this year, the only things I've written, I'd say only because usually I write a lot more, but I haven't, but this year I did two dark fantasies and I'm supposed to do the third and that's different from Ooh. what I've written. And then what I want to, then I'm going to, now I'm writing some stuff for like passion projects that I want to put on submission with my agent. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's different. So like, that would be like a YA horror and like a gothic, modern gothic women's fiction thriller, psychological, it's yeah. hard to explain. But like, so there's like, I just need to do different things. And I know that it hurts me in a way as an author, because like you go to these signings and you see, I mean, I just went to my first signing in like since 2019. And, um, you know, people are easy to brand when you just write the same thing over and over again. And I'm not knocking writing in the same thing over and over again, because when you do, you, you build a, a brand and audience and they know what to expect. And mm -hmm. that's great. And I do wish I could do that, but I can't because I have to write different things all the time. And so yeah. like, otherwise my brain isn't happy. It just needs the novelty of new. Right. So I feel like I, I just like a catch 22 though. Yeah, it is. Like if, if you wrote everything in the same thing, you probably stop writing. I would for sure. Yeah. And that's why people like at the beginning were like, getting mad at me like the very beginning when I stopped writing my horse where I ended it at book nine because I said it was maybe nine books I ended it and it was done I'm like why aren't you writing any more horror I'm like because I'm done I've written like nine books in it plus other books like I'm done now I want to do contemporary now I've written like I don't know how many contemporary romances 30 40 who knows and now I'm like okay now I'm done I want to write now fantasy and then I'll write fantasy and then I'm like okay I just want to do everything that is interesting to me because I mean it's my job and it's my life and so like I need to satisfy me first before I have to satisfy a reader and that's like how I look at it and I know that not every author does because a lot of authors 
are able to write on command, can just sit down, write whatever and do it. And like, I admire that and I envy that because I wish I could do that. For me, it's a bit more of a struggle. But I kind of just have to make peace that like, you know, if I could go back in time and do things differently, the, the best part would have been for me to do is to do a pen name like a real pen name for my horror and then do a pen name for my contemporaries and like branch out that way um because then you can do these different things and people know what to expect from that pen name um alas it is too late for me to do that so i can't do it but but no i have to always be trying these different genres because like that's the only way that i'm like oh i want to see what this is about and sometimes i do just get the same idea for the same type of thing over and over again and that's what i want to write um and and during the pandemic i decided i didn't want to write contemporary anymore and i wanted to go back to horror and paranormal and, and fantasy so i did that and now I'm like, you know, like I still am doing contemporary here and there, but um, if I don't mix it up, then I start to really burn out on it. And then I, that's, again, when I think people are like, oh, you could tell you didn't want to write this because you're just not feeling it, you know? <laughs> I think you can, I can absolutely tell when an author does, like, yeah. phones it in, it phones, phones it in, in. it's like, I just got to get through this. Exactly. <laughs> I just got to, like, maybe someone will like it, I don't know, you know, but like. Yeah, so so I really want to just commit to like doing books that like make me feel like just having a blast at work. And obviously for me, like the first thirty percent, I always say is the hardest. Like it's very rare that off the bat I'm going to be like, you know, waking up in the morning like thirty percent, like you know, like I can't wait to write. Like that doesn't happen until like thirty percent when I've done that work, and then I'm like, okay, now now I feel like I know the characters and I know where this is going and I'm in the routine and so yeah um for me it's just it's always changing I can't be creative until 5 p.m apparently I don't know what what it is yeah I'll I'll wake up in the day and I'll be like trying to do something creative absolutely not but witching hour like five like 4 30 5 p.m my body's like I'm just meerkat and I'm like what creative thing are we going to be painting are we going to be like what are we going to be like it's just like a very strange thing but it happens every day but that's (laughs) fun and it's it's dependable because then you can do your mornings like doing like your admin stuff you know what i mean like yeah email whatever and then the evening you're like okay now it's fun time you know Dear Romance Besties, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance to check out our awesome perks, including stickers, watching movies with us, naughty book boxes, and you can even be on the show. Can't be a patron? You can still support the show by purchasing books or things we recommend through our affiliate links on our show notes and our dope-ass website. Thanks for the commission. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot your review, send it to us on Instagram, and we'll send you some stickers. So you you actually are yeah. um, traditionally published and yes. and self published, um, and do you so do you have a preference for one or the other, or is there like some really big pros and cons that you find? You know, that you I've run always into? kind of thought of them. They both have their pros and cons. So like, there's I would never not be with one exclusively. Put it that way. So like, people would say like this is kind of like being a hybrid author, and I think for me personally, it's the best because. I am the person that like instant gratification. Like I, when I'm done a book, I want to release it now. I don't want to wait a year. I want to do it now and I want to write it now. And like, so like with self-publishing, you can do that. And then you can control the cover and you can control the blurb and you can, you can control everything. And I like that part of it. I really do. Um, but I don't like the marketing part of it. Like that part to me sucks. I hate being like, uh, read my book. Like I just, it, it sucks. So like, 
when you're traditionally published, yes, you still have to, you know, market yourself, but they do, they are the ones with, like, you're not alone in it. They are the ones who have a plan and maybe you don't agree with the plan half the time and maybe you don't like their cover. Um, but you know, you're still in it as a team and they are taking a lot of the load off your shoulders. So like, you know, I, yeah. I, fi- I like that part of it. I like that you get a little bit more prestige with the traditional publishing. Like people are more likely, and it, it doesn't matter at this point in my life because I meet all walks of people who are like, ah, oh, romance or, oh, romance, you know, or like, oh, you're a traditionally published author or, or self-published. Like you get all of it. But like, I do like having being, having books in bookstores or having like, you know, reviews and whatever, but like, um, yeah. So, do you like doing, do you like doing like social media and like the panels part of it? Like meeting I, people or no. like, does that, cause yeah, I, I'm introverted. I, so. I, I, like no. I mean, I try not to do too, too much. Like I, I don't know. Like I tried to do TikTok. Like I actually have to stay away from TikTok. Not because of like, I just, you get stuck in the, you get it. No, yeah, the dopamine, the loop, dopamine. And then you can't yeah. stop looking at it. And then you start thinking kind of like TikTok. It kind of messes with like the way you create and the way that you think about things. At the same time, it, it does give me ideas for things. So I'm not, but I do have to be careful with it in my time. If I'm just like doing nothing, then it's great to just like, if I'm on an airplane and it has Wi-Fi, like what a great way to spend time. It's just like watch TikTok. But like, if I'm trying to actually get work done, I'm like, no, 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 you can't go on TikTok, you know, Instagram, I used to be like really hardcore into it because um, like, I used to travel a lot. So I used to kind of use that to document. Um, and, you know, obviously traveling's kind of dropped off since the pandemic. I'm going traveling again um, soon. But in general, like I just, I'm kind of stepping away from Instagram, like not stepping away. That's like my main place. But like, I don't go on Facebook yeah. at all. Well, and, except I have a group, but I, I barely go in there, and it's not because I don't want to. It's just I don't want to go on Facebook and Twitter. Of course, I'm on Twitter, that's, but yes. I also go through stage with Twitter because sometimes I'm like, I must be informed of all the things all the time. So I'll be on Twitter, and I must complain about everything all the time. And then I'll be like, okay, I've had too much news. I need to step back, and then I'll step back for like months at a time, and I won't go yep. on it again. So like that's like an ebb and flow thing. But like to actually promote myself, like I don't like doing it anywhere. Like. Please, someone else do it for me. Someone else do it for me. I'm like, right? I feel like that's yeah. the artist struggle, man. We're like, I just want to make the art. I just want to make the art and hand it to somebody, and then they market the art because like they don't. Readers yeah. don't. I mean, it's good for letting them know this is a thing I made and it's available to buy and read it or whatever. Don't. But like, I know that I have to do that, and that's fine. But I cannot convince anyone to read my books because honestly what I say as an author is not going to convince them because first of all, there's the bias obviously that I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. And of course people are like, of course you think it's awesome. You wrote it, which is half the time. I'm like, this sucks, but like, you know what I mean? Like, but you know what I mean? Like people don't want to necessarily trust the creator because of course the creator is going to think it's great yeah. or try and sell you something. Um, so I, I know from experience, you know, word of mouth, other people is what sells your books. It's, it's not you. Um, I, and I've watched authors, yeah. you know, over the years, really capitalize on their personality and start like a cult of celebrity kind of thing with themselves. But that doesn't actually translate into book sales. Like people like that person and they love to watch them and they love to interact with them, but they don't act. But when that person that they love so much that they've built up this big following based on who this person is, when that person's like, Oh, I wrote, wrote a book. 
you should read it, a lot of those people are like, nah, I'm not here actually because of your books. I'm here because of you. So there's like, you, you can go too far yeah. in that kind of like selling thing, right? Like if you're selling yourself, like you might just be selling yourself in the end and not the book. So that's why I still think like the best thing you can do is just, you know, obviously write the best book you can and just hope for the best and hope that people talk about it. And if people talk about it, I mean, that's all TikTok is. That's all book talk is, all the big sales that are happening. It's not because I don't know, 90% of the time it's because a reader found it or readers found it and loved it and made, you know, TikToks about it. And that was it. Like, cause people see it and they're like, Oh, I love your, you're so passionate about it. And I love the way you're describing it. And I want to check this out and read it. And that's what you do. But the author talking about it. No, that's when people are like, Oh, if you're an author, go on TikTok, it'll, you'll sell. It's like, that's not true at all. Like it's good to be there to have a presence. But like, if you think that something that you made is going to push the needle anyway, it doesn't like in the, there's outliers, <laughs> but it generally doesn't. So. Can I ask you something? You're in a polyamorous relationship or will be whatever. Do you have an issue Uh, when with reverse, like I don't write reverse harem, but like it's something that sometimes I've thought about. Like often I'm just like, I'm not sure how that would seems really challenging to me. So that's kind of like one reason, but like um, a lot of people are having issue with it being called reverse harem, that it should be called more like a polyamorous romance instead. Do you have an issue with that as like, I, I so I personally don't because I've never even had any I've never this is the first yeah, time okay. I'm hearing that people have an issue with calling it reverse harem I'm totally okay with it being called reverse harem because we have a lot of names for things that I don't think quite like we call dark romance like dark romance anything yes. under like a huge Wait, umbrella, of, umbrella. crazy we, yeah. we call yeah. dark romance we call dark romance right and what makes it dark romance yeah. what makes it whatever uh, I am particularly sensitive about when we use the words dark, black, yeah. things like that for negative things yeah. because I am black, right? So, uh, so, but we yeah. have a lot of words that are like that. So reverse, for me, reverse harem yeah, tells exactly. me exactly yeah. what I'm getting. And now it's it's my yeah. vernacular for it. So I personally yeah. don't have a problem with it. I can't say you go yeah, on yeah. TikTok and not get the... I know. Book oh talk is intense. You want to stay under the book radar, Book talk man. is taking the fun... <laughs> They're taking the fun out of everything. Yeah, you gotta be taking the fun out of everything. But, (laughs) but um, yeah. So I don't care. All I care about is that there are many partners and many things going many places. That's yeah. Because my thing was was just like, okay, well, if you're gonna call it polyamorous relationship, that romance, that's fine. But like, will people then like think it's about something else because the term reverse harem is so cemented in like? as a trope to readers, so it'd be kind of hard to like change yeah. the, the narrative off that trope, I think. Yeah, I, I rather see it the, described as reverse harem because that's the term I am used to. And I don't yeah, think it's yeah. offensive for me personally. And uh, I don't know the argument for why it is offensive. Maybe it's like a, 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 a quality thing, right? We don't call it the other way when it's a guy, I think that's actually when it's multiple from, women or something like that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. probably like that, but I don't care. I just want to pick up a book and it says reverse harem, and I go, thank yeah. you very much. I will be buying this book. Thank you. That, that's that's where I'm, so I'm at. A true reverse <laughs> harem, you know does it have to end with her, with everybody? Or Because some people think that a reverse harem, you can, you, she can pick one at the end. Does that count or no? Okay, so I don't know what the stipulations are, and I really <laughs> don't care because I'll read both of those. So I just care that she's banged yes. by multiple people during the book. 
Um, but that what that could mean very easily is like right now I am watching 365 yes. on Netflix, right? I actually didn't read the book, but I'm in love with the movies and I've watched them many, many times and they've Did helped me through movies? some moments. Isn't there um, just one? <gasps> two. They just released a second one and oh my god, if you don't fall in love with Nacho, I had no idea. Like, I, okay. So they they introduced this new character again. Yeah. I didn't read the books, but there's a new character yeah. that comes in. His name is Nacho. The most beautiful fucking man you're okay. ever going to see in your whole life. He's he's got no business being this fine and this smoldery. Okay, I can um, use this. And I I just I want them to sandwich like this is the the entire movie. Yeah. I'm like kid the, yeah. the original guy from yeah, and him sandwich her like that's what. And then so he doesn't have no. to be her forever partner. But I love the idea of him yeah. coming in for some sessions and then he goes, goes about Absolutely. his mafia life or whatever. I don't care. So, so me personally, I'd, right. I don't care that if they end yeah. up with all three um, or whatever. This is why I think that, like, because I'm a proponent yeah. for content warnings. I know, yeah, I know some people are, some people aren't. But I have, like, my, my argument is, like, in general, I think trigger warnings and content warnings are meant to protect the most vulnerable part of Absolutely. people in our society. And so why yeah. wouldn't, like, why wouldn't, you, even if it's on your website, even if there's yeah. a QR code I don't somewhere, this, I don't like, believe you know, because I always put them there because I just want to respect that person. I would, would hate for someone to, to be hurt by something I read because I didn't inform them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, so uh, like I dealt with sexual trauma as a kid and when I read a book, um, and then they, the, the heroine has this pass and whatever. I'm like, I came here to escape. I didn't come right. here for like, I need to, I need to be in the right mindset for this. This would have been a yeah. dark romance for me. Like I, and I only pick those up when I'm in the right headspace to read exactly. them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, 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 and it's used so heavily, so heavily, like a throwaway thing that that happens to yeah. people in books, like yeah. that. I just, I, I'm just like, for me, it's like, a, yeah. no. um, but but um i i think the same is for like um uh for like say if you write a reverse harem right yeah and people want need to know ahead of time whether or not they're going to end up with all three or just one because they're very particular that could be a spoiler that's on a page on your website that if they really need to know they have the opportunity to go exactly and if they don't need to know then they can just read the book and don't click the spoiler don't click yeah. the spoiler do you know yeah. what i mean um and yeah. so people are very very passionate about the way they feel about about things yes. but we can't be all to all people and no you can just do your best you gotta just do your best you know yeah um but yes i i, I would encourage you i know people talk about it's this or that or whatever i encourage you to do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> because i guarantee <laughs> you people are gonna read it there's somebody out there yeah. who's gonna who's going to read it my i've met this girl in my kink classes when i started taking kink classes like two years ago yeah. um she and i became super good friends and then recently not even that long ago six months ago we both realized that we read erotic novels and romance novels and so we've been like talking what we like is so vastly different like yeah. worlds apart so what i'm gonna read she's not gonna read and vice versa we're just not gonna read the same things so yeah. like i would love for you to just write what you want because i'm like what's what do you first of all this the, the idea the guy splits himself and then bang <laughs> It almost seems like a no-brainer. Why has nobody ever split? I don't think I've we ever. Know. Nobody's ever split themselves and made a bang sandwich. What the hell? Why have we missed yeah, out? I <laughs> what's, the, what's the name of that book for the listeners again? Um, Crown of Crimson. Crown of and Crimson. It's, it's a sequel to Reverse Shadows. Yes. So it's a dark fantasy um, 
yeah, dark fantasy romance. Yeah, yeah, I'm asking definitely for the listeners. Um, yeah, 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 definitely <laughs> for the listeners. Not for you. No, no, definitely not for me. <laughs> but it is chapter 19, in case you want. First of all, thank you for that. So my best friend in high school, we used to trade romance novels, and we used to dog ear the pages for each other. Yeah. So that we yeah. knew when it was coming. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, chapter 19. That's all you need to know. <clears throat> I'm just going to make a little note. <laughs> if you even skip to that, I, nothing will be spoiled, I promise. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, would you say that this is your dream job? Like, you were living the, like, the... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely the dream job. Writing that and then telling people the chapter so they can go ahead and, and read it. <laughs> uh, okay, so so we love to finish our interview with a, uh, yeah. a very specific question. Super serious, super serious. Um, okay. No, sorry, um, If you had any advice to give on yeah. people's real life romances, right? If you want to okay. happily ever after in real life, yeah. What do you think needs to be present uh, for longevity? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would, I mean, you know, the boring answer obviously is communication, but it's true because like, uh, you know, I'm a sensitive person. My husband's a sensitive person. And so if we're both prone to like being moody and, and being prickly about things for maybe no reason at all, and, you know, it's, it's so important to be open about why something is bothering you or what, you know, like I, I find I'm often the person like, what's wrong? Like you're like maybe to the point of annoying. Cause I can pick up on people's energy changes so quick. So the minute someone's energy changes or I come into the room and it's different, it's just like, what's wrong? Cause I can just already tell, like I can smell it almost, you know? So yeah. like, and then obviously like, you want them to tell you what's wrong. And so like, that doesn't always happen so smoothly because maybe they don't want to talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but I find that if you're just open and communicating with each other, that really is for us. Like I've been, we've got married in 2014. We met in 2011. So we've been uh, oh, wow. together. Yeah. So you know, it's, that's a funny story too. Um, tell it, tell it, tell it, please. So, okay. So in 2011, I had been with another guy and I'd been with him for four years. We're very, we lived together and we're very much like um, roommates, basically. Like everyone, the nicest guy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's such a nice guy. Like, oh, this guy's the nicest guy. And like, oh. and he was like, so I'm not saying he wasn't a nice guy, but the, you know, the, the relationship just wasn't going anywhere. And I think we're both unhappy and, and too afraid to do anything about it. So at the time I had uh, released my third book in that horror series. And so the horror series that the characters are Dex and he's this very enigmatic kind of asshole, um, alpha hole type, like, but totally messed up mentally guy who I was based on like young drugged up Robert Downey Jr. Basically like, so that was the guy. And, and then there's, then there's the girl Perry who was like 10 years younger and like plus size and like, um, you know, dealing with a lot of problems, seeing ghosts, and he's the producer who basically wanted to exploit her to um, when they go and do these ghost hunting shows and stuff. So, I want to do a trailer at the time. So, this is in 2011. I wanted to do a book trailer. And I had a friend, uh, and she was a filmmaker. So, she was in San Francisco at the time. So, I was like, if I fly you up here, will you make the trailer? And then I had another friend and she was in New Zealand and she was over in Canada at the time in Vancouver and she had some directing background at film school. So like she was a director 
And then I was like, okay, so now I got to cast this. And like, we had a mutual friend who fit the, the Perry role perfectly. She was like curvy and, you know, looked exactly the same as her, like long, dark hair and everything. And, um, and so that worked out. I'm like, okay, but the guy, Dex, he has to be like, who is this guy that I've seen in my head that I've been writing for years now is like the main character. The guy that like, even my ex boyfriend was just like i think you like your character more than you like me and at the time i was like oh don't be ridiculous but now i was just like wait a minute <laughs> so i put an ad on craigslist and i just said like i'm looking for an actor for an indie film um i didn't mention it was for a book i just said it was for an indie film um there's no pay or maybe it was like 200 bucks or some kind of pay um we're gonna be going on a boat so must like be okay with like going sailing and you know it's just like a weekend shoot and and whatever and i and I, oh and the character is you know must be whatever i hate is fine because my character is only actually my my hero is only five nine which is funny because like you'd think i would have gone for like six foot tall but i didn't know so he was always five nine decks and so it must be like five nine or taller and like you know a snarky kind of personality whatever um in his um early 30s and I put the ad out there and the second person to apply was my husband so he sent a picture before I saw the picture though he just said hey I just moved here from Montreal and I I don't have any acting experience um, except from like a class I work in the railway and I'm just kind of looking to to meet people and um here's a, a picture to see if it'd be a good because sound like fun and he sent a picture and oh my god the picture he sent was exactly like if I could have drawn my character, yeah. that was him down to like the smirk down to like the cigarette hanging from his mouth, the newsboy cap that he always wore. Everything was exactly the same. And there's no way he would have known. Like he obviously did not hear those books, whatever the little indie books, like whatever he didn't know about them, but he was exactly the same. And then I met him in person. And so I was so excited and I met him in person and I went into the bar and I saw him and he looked at me and it was like a movie. Everything slowed down. And I thought, well, shit, like, that's the guy I'm supposed to be with. And in his head, at the same time, he said, oh, here comes trouble. (laughs) So we, that was like absolute love at first sight. But of course I had a boyfriend at the time I had to get rid of. (laughs) I I became the villain for a while where people like, how could you dump the nice guy and go for this guy you don't even know? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going for it. People literally hated me for it. My friend, she hated me for a long time because she was, and she hated Scott, my husband, because she was like, this isn't, uh, she thought, I don't know what she thought. She just didn't approve. But like, eventually people came around. My good friends, they kind of, you know, were like, you know what, go for it. I had one friend. She's like, you know what, like, whatever's making you happy, you go for it and take the risk. And even if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter because you're obviously not supposed to be with this other guy. Like that's done. And this is because otherwise you wouldn't have these feelings suddenly for this guy. And so I just knew that was the right thing to do. And that was it. Like within a month or two or three, he moved in with me. Like, and then the next year we, you know, got engaged and like, and everything, we've just taken risks in every single thing that we've done together. So like, I mean, I know you asked about like longevity thing and I said communication, but I would say like for the, not longevity part, but to like, when you first meet someone, like what is my advice and love is just to take risks and like if and listen to your gut at all times like 
if your gut is saying, if someone's like, this doesn't make sense, or maybe he's not good enough for you, or he's too good for you, or whatever the excuses are, this can't possibly work out. It's crazy. He lives over there. You live over there. Who knows what the excuse is? No matter what, take, if your gut's telling you that this is the right person for you, take every risk you can to be with them because it's worth it. I, I, first of all, I love that story so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with me today. I loved having you. I loved talking to you. I could talk to you for like hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, so I hope you come back and, uh, and have fun with us. So <laughs> until next time, dear listeners, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.